All right, I will say good morning, good morning. Let us begin. I'm sorry, we're getting started a few moments late. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors, Baruch Hashem, for this morning's year. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Cheshvan. To thank Yanki and Eliza Statman, Yitzi and Rebecca Statman for dedicating the Sherman Joshua's this month, the creation of the first yard site of their sister, Menucha Shendel Yehudis, Zichron Levracha, Bastav Yosef. To thank Shmuel and Robin Karapkin for dedicating all the Shi'urim this month in this chus. Creation of the 25th yard site of Robin's mother, Melanie Solomon, Pesamira, Baschaim Zichron Livracha. We thank our week of learning sponsors, Zevi and Shoshi Daniel, Le'ilui Nishmas, Rafael, Yaakov Ben Avram, that's Zevi's stepfather who was just nifter yesterday. The Levi is today at 1 o'clock. We wish the family an incredible amount of strength and nechama. To thank our Dafyomi sponsors for today, Binyamin Fleischman, in memory of his father, Rabbi Shmuel Yudel, Ben Binyamin Yaakov Zichron Levracha, and our Dafyomi sponsors, Sima and Seid Haken, to express their Hakara Satov to Hashem for Baruch Hashem, the birth of their grandson, to Yael and David Isaver. Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov. With that, let us begin. So good to start with Mesila Sisharim, Baruch Hashem. And I will say, by the way, just for Mesila Sisharim, for those who have not been part of the Hachsek program, so again, all of the previous Shiurim, where this was the 39th Shir in the Hachsek program for Mesila Sisharim, if you haven't been doing it, they're, they're all online. It's easy enough to, uh, to catch up, Baruch Hashem. And also, again, we've done it before. Baruch Hashem, a beautiful, beautiful way just to learn a magnificent Sefer. And again, we're done in uh, now five months. Less than five months from now, Amir Hashem. Good. Today's daf is daf Zayin, 7a. We'll say incredible, incredible Gemara today. 7a. So we are up to, we left off literally on the first line. Yish Yad Litzdako in Yad Litzdako. So we'll say, so remember again, we are continuing in this interesting discussion. We've established the concept of Yados. Of Yados. Remember one more time, the, the concept of Yad comes from Nazir. Comes from Nazir. And Baruch Hashem, we saw Nazir Lahazir, and then again the Hekish between Nazir and Nidarim. And then I will say we're kind of building that out a little bit. So we tried to figure out does Yad apply to Kiddushin? Ultimately, again, does Yad apply to Peah? So we're trying to expand this a little bit and see other cases where Yados could possibly work. So Yesh Yad Litztaka in Yad Litztaka. Does the concept of Yad apply to Tztaka? Does the partial declaration work for Tztaka? Or not? So the said, well, what's the case? Hechidomi. nami. So I'll say, if you tell me it's the following case. I say, this zuz should be for tzedakah, and this one also. So if you can imagine, I have two coins in front of me, and literally, I say, this coin should be for tzedakah, and this one also. So the truth is, Rebbe said, the Gemara says, that's obvious. Hahu tzedakah atzma. Of course that works. Of course that works. So I'll say, why? Because why? Why? That's not really even a yad. That's not really a yad. That's kind of an explicit, complete declaration. Right? So rather, what's the case? Rather, what's the case? Oh, so we'll say, what's the case? The case is where I have two coins. Right? So, zuz number one, I say, hari zu litztaka, or hadain zuzo litztaka. Right? This zuz should be for tztaka. And then when it comes to the other coin, I say, hadain. And this one. And this one. Once again, what am I missing? What am I missing? Nami also. I'm missing that. So now the shaila is, how do we interpret this phrase? Do we say my? So do we say my? So we say my. What does this mean? Hadein nami litzdaka kamar. Am I saying that this particular second zuz should also be for tzedakah? O dilma 
My vahadein. What does it mean vahadein? What, what do I mean when I say and this one? Linafkusa ba'al ka'amar. What I mean to say is this second one should be used for general expenses. And I just simply never got a chance to finish my statement. That's really what I noticed. What I meant to say was vahadein. And the second one should be for, the first one is for tzedakah. And the second one should, and, and the second one, the rest of the sentences should be used for general expenses. But I just never got around to finishing the statement. So we'll say, so, so we'll say, so that's the Shiloh. That's the Shiloh. So we'll say, by the way, it's the same pattern as every question before. So obviously, again, if I say the first Zuz is for Tzedakah, Vahadein Nami, and ultimately, again, this Zuz as well, referring to the second one, of course the second one becomes Tzedakah. The Shaila is, I say the first Zuz is for Tzedakah, and then when it comes to the second one, I say, and this one. So how do, we, how do we interpret that? And this one is also for Tzedakah? Or, and this one is for general expenses? That's the Shaila. So the Gemara says, it's Fazer side. So the Gemara says, So I'll say, here we go. Now remember, in general, in general, the concept of Yad, the concept of Yad, as we've seen it, right, begins with Nezirus, extends to Nidarim. Now, once it extends to Nidarim, also included in that are Karbanos, right? Because a person can make a neder to go ahead and bring a carbon. So now watch this. What, now the Gemara backs up a little bit and the Gemara says, well, one second, why would we think that a Yad works by Tzedakah altogether? So now the Gemara says, I'll tell you why. Mi aminan kevan de iskish le karbanos, dechsev beficha, zu tzedakah. So I said, listen to this. Because on one hand, I would say tzedakah is compared to karbanos. Now, where is tzedakah compared to karbanos? So I so the Pasik says, Motza svasecha. Motza svasecha tishmar. That which you utter with your lips, you should honor, you should keep. You should do. You should do that which you vowed to Hashem. Nedava asher dibarta beficha. Ultimately, again, a nedava that you spoke out with your lips. So, both say, so again, on one hand, the Pasik is referring to Kabaros, both Neder and Nedava. Beficha, the Gemara also understands to be referring to Tzedakah. Referring to Tzedakah. So you see this hekish, you see this comparison between Tzedakah and Karban. So do we see, do we say, Ma Kabaros yad, just like a Karban has Yad, in other words, Yados work by Karbanos, partial declarations work by Karbanos, so, so to again, Yad works by Tzedakah. O Dilma, or maybe not to both. So again, that's the Havamino. Or maybe, no, or Dilma, or maybe Rabbi say what? Maybe no, the comparison of Tzedakah to Karbanos is not to tell me that Yad works. Rather, what does it do? What does it do? It tells me that just as a Karban is subject to Baal Ta'acher, so to what? Tzedakah is also subject to Baal Ta'acher. Just like a Karban, if you take... Right, if you take upon yourself an obligation to bring a carbon, or if you have an obligation to bring a carbon, you are not allowed to delay, and delaying your obligation is a violation of a biblical prohibition. So, too, if you make a nether for tzedakah, right, you have to pay up that nether as soon as you can, and delaying it is also going to be usher. Incredible. So, we'll say, so now, I want to point out the Gemara doesn't answer it. So, the Gemara leaves it as an open ended question Is there a yad for tzedakah or not? So, therefore, we'll say, so far, we have again, yesh yad likidushin, right? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, is there, right? Is partial declaration for kidushin work? Second question we had is, is there a yad for peah, for peah? 
And then now we'll say third question is, is there Yad for Tzedakah? Okay, let's go. We'll keep going. Yesh Yad Lahefker. So let's listen to this. Does a Yad work for Hefker? Do partial declarations work for Hefker or not? So the Gemara says, So old Dilma, old Dilma, in Yad Lahefker. So the Gemara says, Heinut Staka. This is interesting. So we'll say, isn't Hefker essentially the same, the same thing as Tzedakah? In other words, as I will say, both are cases where what? I'm giving away something which belongs to me. Right? I'm relinquishing ownership over something that belongs to me. So in other words, what the is just asking, isn't it the same question? In other words, obviously, there are differences between Hefker and Staka, but both represent a relinquishing of ownership to, we'll call it someone or, or a group. So therefore, again, isn't it the same shot? In other words, if there's Yad with Staka, then the Pashtos, there would be a Yad for Hefker. To which the Gemara says, Imtim Salomar Kamar. So listen to this. Imtim Salomar Yeshad Litzdaka. So let's say now watch this. What the Gemara means to say? Imtim Salomar Yeshad Litzdaka. If you hold that there is a Yad for Tzedaka, right? If Halacha Lamaisa, you hold that there is Yad for Tzedaka, then what? So the Gemara says, The Ein Hekish Lemechza. Because let's remember again, if we hold that there's a Yad Litzdaka, now when would you hold this Yad Litzdaka? The Ein Hekish Lemechza. I will say, ain't hekish lemechza means when you make a hekish, when you make a comparison between two things, that comparison is absolute. Now watch this. Now remember again, I will say, if you hold that there is a yad for tzedakah, what is that based on? Where, where would we get that from, that there's a yad for tzedakah, based on what a comparison between tzedakah and karbanos? Excellent. So now I will say, if you agree to that, if you agree to that, then that hekish, that comparison is going to be absolute and complete. So therefore, again, in hekesh lemechza, then hefker miyaminen hainut staka. So we'll say, okay. So now, that if, so if you agree with the idea, or if you subscribe to the concept that there is a yad for tzedakah, okay. Therefore, again, we'll say what that means is that essentially we compare tzedakah to carbon in multiple ways. Meaning, we'll say that just like a carbon is subject to balta acher, not delaying. So to again, payment of tzedakah is also subject to balta acher. And just like Yad works by Karbanos, so too Yad will work by, 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 um, by, um, by Tzedaka. So therefore, again, I would say the same thing. Then Mir Mir Hainu Tzedaka. Then I will say the next step will be, do I agree that essentially Hefker is the same, we'll call it mechanism, same framework as Tzedaka. Therefore, again, just like Yad will work by Tzedaka, so too Yad will work by Hefker. Odilma, or what's the other possibility is, or, or, or perhaps, shiny tzedakah. No, maybe tzedakah and hefker are not really the same thing. Why? So the Gemara says, tzedakah, lo chazi Tzedakah is only fit, right, for aniyim, for the poor. Tzedakah lo chazi ala aniyim. Aval hefker, bein la aniyim, bein la ashirim. But ultimately, again, hefker is ultimately usable both for the poor as well as the rich. Okay, so we'll say, so that's our question. Now, once again, the Gemara doesn't resolve it. So we'll say, so now another open-ended question. Is there a Yad for Hefker or not? A partial declaration by Hefker doesn't work or not. The Gemara leaves it as an open-ended question. Another one. By Ravina. Ravina has the Shaila. Ravina has the Shaila. Yesh Yad Lebeis Akisei. So we'll say, this now, by the way, is a total detour. A total detour. So watch this. Is there a Yad for a Beis Akisei? Now, what, is, what does that mean, right? Basically, he says a bathroom, right? So what does that mean? So we'll say, I'll try to tell you something very interesting. 
But say one of the things I just want to point out to you in the in in Misachas Nedarim is if you notice, there's a lot of mafarshim on the page, and so the truth is a lot of times we're not going through a lot of these mafarshim. So you know, again, obviously, if you ever have a couple of moments, it's also interesting to see the mafarshim are very often at odds with each other. Just about how to read and understand the Gemara. So I just want to full, full, full disclosure for that. Yomi purposes again through Adaf. I'm often not giving you the full panoramic view of how everyone's understanding the Gemara. Most often just according to the Ran. But I will show you something interesting. If you look on the bottom right hand corner over here, you will find the Rush, which is also one of the interesting anomalies of not anomalies. One of the interesting things about about Nadarim is that whereas normally the rush is in the back of the Gemara, here in Masech Nadarim, he's on the page. So look at the rush, you see it in the, in the bottom right-hand margin. You see it there? So I will say, so I'm assuming most of us have the same type of pagination. So again, if you look in the rush, about three, four lines up from before, the rush gets wide. Yesh yad midrabanan kaboy. I will say, listen to this. So now I will say, we're switching gears a little bit. Because this concept, ultimately, again, of the question, is a question in rabbinic law. Now, what, what is the question? Now, watch this. There is a concept of where a person takes care of their physical needs. So I will say, there's a concept over here of that once you designate a place as a Beis HaKisei, even if Halacha Lamaisa, even if Halacha Lamaisa, you haven't used it, it takes on the status of a Beis HaKisei. It takes on the status of a Beis HaKisei. Now I will say, what's the ramifications of taking on the status of a Beis HaKisei? Again, I apologize for taking you all over the place. Jump now to the run. Top left-hand column. Second line in. So I'll say, here it is. I know, for example, I'm not allowed to say Shema. I'm not allowed to daven in a Beisakise. Get down in a Beisakise. So I'll say, now listen to this. The Gemara is presupposing the concept of Hasmana Milsa. Hasmana Milsa. Hasmana Milsa means that going ahead and dedicating something for a particular use establishes it or vests it with that status even though it has not yet been used. So for example, if you go ahead and you write to do the ribbon cutting, right, 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 welcome everyone to the brand new Beis HaKisei, right? This is it. So now we've dedicated, we've dedicated the Beis HaKisei. There's a concept in Halacha that has manam milse. It happens to be, it's a machlokas. It's a machlokas. So I'll say, by the way, I'll give you just a simpler example of this, which is actually interesting. Imagine for a moment a person gets a tulum bag. First gets a tefillin bag, a brand new tefillin bag. So you haven't used it yet, you haven't put your tefillin in it yet. We actually spoke about this, a smichas chaver, one of the, one of the previous zmanim. Right, so what happens, you haven't used it yet, and you decide, you know what, I don't want to use it for my tefillin, I want to use it for lunch. A lunch bag, it's beautiful, it has my name on it in Hebrew, it's leather, it's fur, it's whatever, whatever it is, it's fantastic, it's a, it's a designer lunch bag. That's what I want to use. So can I use it? Obviously, once I've put my tefillin in there, I can't use it anymore for anything other than tefillin. But the shail is right now, I haven't yet put my tefillin in there. All of the, so we'll say, this is a machlokas. It's a machlokas of hasmana milsa, hasmana lav milsa. Is designated something for, for a particular use. Does that vest it with kedusha or not? So we'll say, this is the opposite over here. Des, let's assume right now that designation of an area as a base as a bathroom, 
by definition, vests it with bathroom identity to the point now that I am not allowed to say Kriyashma in that space. So here's the Shaila. What if I go ahead and I just use a partial declaration? I just use a Yad. Just use a partial declaration. I, 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 whatever, whatever the law should... Well, let's see. So the Gemara says, Hechidami, what's the case? First while I was back in the Gemara, Hechidami. So I'll say it's the same, same drill. So again, if I, let's imagine there's two rooms next to each other. So if I go ahead and I say, this room is a Beisakisei, and this one is also, that's obvious, right? That's not even a Yad, right? That's an explicit declaration. Hello, kegom da'amar v'hadein, v'lo amar nami. Rather, I will say, what's the case? Room number one, I say, this will be a Beisakisei, and then I say by the second room, and this one, and this one. Once again, what don't I have in this declaration? What don't I have in here? Also, Nami. Excellent. Good. So Mar says, My, so what's the halacha? Hadein da'amar v'hadein nami beisakise. Am I saying this room should also be a beisakise? Odilma, my v'hadein. Or perhaps, what does v'hadein mean? Litashmisha ba'amakamar. Or maybe I will say what I meant to say was like this. What I meant to say was, this room should also be used for other, or I should say, and this room will be used for other purposes. So that's the Shaila. That's the Shaila. So the Gemara says, Good. So we'll say, so now the Gemara says, by the way, Michlal, the Pshita de the Ravina, the Yesh Zimon of Now, here's what's interesting about this. This is what I just mentioned before. This question presupposes that Hasmana, that Hasmana, dedicating a particular area for use as a Beisakise, is actually a meaningful dedication. What we call in halacha, hazmana milsehi. Hazmana milsehi. This is presupposing that dedicating something for a particular use actually vests it with that halachic identity. So one second, but one second, this was actually a shayla that Ravina had. So the Gemara says, if a person dedicated a room for a beisakise but didn't yet use it, does the hazmana, does the dedication vest it with a base akise identity? Or is Milo Beis Amechas? We'll say ceiling, by the way, with a bathhouse. Let's say you went ahead and you dedicated a particular area to be used as a bathhouse, but you haven't yet used it as a bathhouse. Mahu, Zimun Moil, Oain Zimun Moil. I will say, does dedicating a space, does, does dedicating a space vest it? with that identity, even if you have not yet used it or not. So, we'll say, so what the Gemara is asking over here is, whoa, I called up. Why you, right? You're asking, does a Yad work for base Hakise dedication? Before you get into that question, there's a more fundamental question, which is what? Does designating a space as a base Hakise vest it with base Hakise identity or not? To which the Gemara says, you're right. Ravina, Chada migod migo chada kamibayle. Suppose it's actually very interesting. Ravina was really asking one question within another question. One question within another question. Right, well, so what are those two questions? Question number one is zimun moil. Oh, ain't a zimun moil. Suppose say question number one is does hazmana work? Right, in general. By the way, as I mentioned before, this is not just the din in beisakise. This is the din in a lot of things in halacha. But let's focus over here. Question number one, I will say is, when you designate a space as a Beis HaKise, or for that matter, as a Beis HaMerchatz, does Zimun, does Zimun, essentially, again, vest the space with Beis HaKise or Beis HaMerchatz identity? That's question number one. Good. 
Oh, so now that's question number two is, if you hold that zimun works, that designating a space ultimately goes ahead and vests that space with the identity, then what? Yesh yad, oyein yad. Does it have a yad? Doesn't it have a yad? So we'll say, so now again, just so now we'll say we've asked the question, in, right? So now the same question, yesh yad, ein yad, we've asked by kidushin, we've asked by Peah, we've asked by Tzedakah, we've asked by Hefker, we've asked by Besakise. Five outstanding cases, right? I don't mean like outstanding cases, I mean like five just, right? Cases that we have not yet answered. Does Yad work? Unresolved cases. So I'll say, how does the Sugya end? Tibayle. So I'll say, this is fascinating. Tibayle means, Tibayle means you have a question. So I'll say, I want to show you something amazing. Take a look. Take a look at Tosfus. I'm sorry. We're going to, today is like a, today is like the sightseeing view on a daf of Masachas Nadarim. We will say Tosfus is in the left margin, left margin. So you see Tosfus. We will say in the short lines two, four, six, eight, about ten lines before Tosfus becomes wide. Tibai lecha. Tosfus gives Tibai lecha. Tibai le. Perush kimo teku. Tibai le is teku, and he says v'lashon nedarim meshuna. Tosus says the wording of Maseches Medarim is Mashu Mishuna. Mishuna, different different words in the Darim. Different. So I say it's actually interesting. You begin to see Nidarim. Nidarim is a very different kind of Masechta. The pages look different. Rashi's not Rashi. Rashi's not Rashi. Right? Tosus is not on the. Tosus is in the corner. The Ran is the primary one. The Rush is on the page. There's a lot of things different about Nidarim. One of the things different in Nidarim is we don't use Teiku. I mean, we'll see, actually, I think Teku does come up, the word is used. But in general, the Lushan for Nadarim is Tibayle. It's a question. It's a question. And we'll say, by the way, you'll ask yourself, why does Nadarim employ different verbiage? Why, why does it employ different wording? So we'll say, remember again, what's interesting to notice, as I mentioned this when we started the Masechta, what's the whole Musa Haskil of Masechas Nadarim? That words affect reality. That words affect reality. Sometimes the way to go ahead and remind us that words affect realities is to change up, right? Commonly established or commonly used word choices as well. So the nice again, that's the whole point. Of this, the whole takeaway of this masechta is like we saw the sasemes ish kiyafli. Words are a pella. Words are, are are a wondrous amazement that words could affect. That words could change realities. That our words make such a difference for ourselves and for others. So tell us lashon the lashon nedarim mishuna. The Lashon of Masechus Nedarim, I'll say, it's a little bit different. So I'll say, if we have time, I want to get to the end of the Dab, because I'm actually, I feel, like I feel like I have like a streak to continue over here. So we'll get to it. I'll say, I'll just point out the Ran, the Ran, if you go back up to the top of the Ran, again, left-hand column, in the short lines, in the short lines, about uh, two, four, six lines in. So the Ran himself says, Right, so the Ran himself says that by Kiddushin, we're going to be Machmir, and if you use a Yad to be Mekadish Shonobos, remember again, what was the case of, being, of, of using a Yad to be Mekadish Shonobos? Remember, Ruben goes over to Rachel and Leah, he gives Rachel two Prutos, he says to Rachel, right, and then he turns to Leah and he says, Vagamat, Vagamat, right, so we don't know exactly what that meant, so the Ran writes, we're going to go to Chumrah, because since Kiddushin is a Suffolk Daraisa, we're going to go to Chumrah, and Leah is going to be Mikudeshas Misafek. Again, if we have time, he says, So the Rashba writes that by Peah and Siddaka, 
we're also going to be machmir and say that a yad ultimately works. Again, I will say the truth is we're going to be machmir in all of these cases by yados because since the since ultimately the conclusion is teku essentially we have no choice but to be machmir. I will say the only possibility is the case will be will be mekel is in the case of a beisakise because the whole concept of hazmana of a beisakise is it didn't rabbanan. So since it's a din drabanon, suffix drabanon lekula. But again, so we'll say, so it sounds like we'll, we'll say there is a yad for kiddush lechumrah, there is a yad for peah lechumrah, there is a yad for tzedakah lechumrah, there is a yad for hefker lechumrah, but there is no yad for beis hakiseh, because beis hakiseh is a din drabanon, this whole, this whole con- we'll say, first of all, in general, the concept of a beis hakiseh having, having a certain identity is a drabanon, hazmana, of a base designating a base is certainly a Durabanan, and therefore again, suffix, suffix of Hasmana, such as in the case of the Yad, will be make will be lenient. That's the short version of Halacha. There's, there's more to do in the Halacha, but that'll suffice for today. Vaiter, Menu Dani Lacha. So we'll say back to the Mishnah. So remember again, the last line of the Mishnah will say was Alashon of. A person says, Menu Dani Lacha, right? Ruvain says to Shimon, I am Menuda to you. So the Lashon of the Mishnah was Rabbi Akiva Hayachokeich Bazal Hachmir. Rabbi Akiva struggled, Rabbi Akiva struggled with this, and he was Machmir. So it says the Gemara, here we go, Amra Bayimod Rabbi Akiva, the Indian Malkus, Shinoloke. Rabbi Akiva agrees that Halacha Lamaisa, when it comes to Malkus, when it comes to Malkus, that a person would not get Malkus. In other words, I will say, imagine if Reuven were to say to Shimon, Menu Dani Lacha, which sounds like Reuven is saying to Shimon, I'm not going to get any benefit from you, right? And now what happens? And now what happens? Reuven gets benefit from Shimon. So even Rabbi Akiva would agree that Reuven doesn't get Malkus for violating his nether, right? Why? Sigmar says, Because otherwise it should have said Rabbi Akiva Machmir. The fact that it said Rabbi Akiva struggled meant that Rabbi Akiva wasn't sure what to do with the nether of Menudalacha. He was machmir and said it was a neder, but wouldn't be so machmir to say that it's actually a valid neder, which would which would require nedarim. Um, I'm sorry, which would require malchus for its violation. So the Gemara says, "Amra Papa." So we'll say we're going to discuss a couple of different versions of the same type of lashon. Benedina minach to kuli amalo pligidaser. So we'll say if you use a lashon of nedina minach. Now we'll say nedina literally means detached, detached. Ruvain goes over to Shimon and he says, Nedina lecha. I am Nedina from you. Right? Nedina minach. I'm Nedina. So we'll say, everyone agrees that that is a valid Lashon of a neder. And essentially, again, what Ruvain is, is making a neder of is not to get any benefit from Shimon. Mishtamna. Mishtamna minach. Dekuli ama shari. So this is very interesting. If you use Lashon of Mishtamna minach, I am Mishtamna. Now, what is Mishtamna? I'm sorry, Mishamtana, excuse me. Now, that sounds like Shamta. Shamta is what? Is a form of excommunication. So if Ruvain says to Shimon, Mishamtana Minach, I am, I am Mishamta from you, everyone agrees? That's permitted. That does not create any type of nadar. Now, take a quick look at the rush. The rush says over here on the bottom. Now, say bottom right hand column. Bottom right hand column. I should say, Bottom right margin. So you look four lines over the bottom of the rush. Badina mimchalu kuli ama aser. Dimashma misnodeit ani umuvdal mimach vahavitfei memeruchukani mimach aliba deshmuel. So let's listen to this. So the rush explains 
The Lashon of Badim Aminach, I am separated from you, or detached from you, is misnodate umuvdal. So we'll say, so the Lashon of Badim Aminach, I am detached from you, the Rosh understands is a Lashon of Muvdal, I am separated from you. So that is a valid Lashon of a Neder. Versus Mishamtana, Rosh says, the Lashon Shamtahu, Velo Yad Neder. So I will say, ultimately, again, the Rosh says, that's not a Lashon of Neder. Saying that I'm excommunicated from you, that's not a Lashon of a Neder. I don't know what that is. Maybe that, that, that's just I don't want anything to do with you. But Lamaisa, that's not a Lashon of Neder. He says, So we'll say, it's interesting. What you see the Gemara's fine-tuning over here is, in order for a Lashon of a Neder to go ahead and, and be effective, there has to be a Lashon of removal. A Lashon of removal. Right, so that's why again, Lashon of Nedina Minach, I am detached from you. The Rosh understands as a Lashon of Muvdal, I'm separate. Mishamtana Minach, I'm excommunicated from you. Again, that might mean I want nothing to do with you, but Lamai said that's not a Lashon of a Neder. So in my plea, so we'll say, where does the Machlokas come up? Ahmed Beis, interesting. Bimenuda Ani Lacha. So we'll say, the, the Machlokas comes up in Lashon of Menuda Ani. Menuda Ani. Rabbi Akiva Savar Lishna Dini Duyahu. Rabbi Akiva understands that Menuda is a Lashon of detachment, a Lashon of detached, a Lashon of Nedina. Rabbanon Savri Lishan Dimisham Tanahu. Rabbanon hold no. That ultimately Menuda is like Misham Tana, excommunication. And just like Misham Tana is not a Lashon of a Neder, so too again Menuda is not a Lashon of a Neder as well. Upligad Ravchista, and ultimately again, this argues on Ravchista. Why? What happened? Rabbi Sigmar tells a story. Dahu Gavra, the Amr Misham Tana ben Echaseh Dibrei Drabirmiya Bar Abba. So there was a guy. There was a guy. And what did this guy say? He says, this was his Lashon. I am Mishamtana from the property of the son of Rabbi Yirmiya Bar Abba. Okay, so now both say, so the Shaila was, what's the impact of that statement? So they came before Rav Chista, and Rav Chista said, Less dechash la lahad Rabbi Akiva. No one, no one is mindful, right? No one pays attention to the Pesach of Rabbi Akiva. Because Rabbi Akiva was the one who held that Lashon of Mishamtana, Mishamtana could potentially affect the Neder. To which the Gemara says, Kasavar, Bisham Misham Tana Pligi. So we'll say, obviously, again, this is an alternate version. So we'll say, in the version we just mentioned before, last line of Zayin Amad Aleph, going on to Zayin Amad Beis, everyone agreed that what? The Lashon of Misham Tana is not a Lashon of Neder. It's not a Lashon of Neder. Everyone agrees to that. The Machlokes case was the case of Menuda. Rabbi Akiva said, Menuda is Niduya, detached, valid Neder. Rabbanan said, no, Menuda is a Lashon of Misham Tana. All the more just pointing out over here is there's an alternate version, and in the alternate version, there's machlokis about Mishantana. And in that version, Rabbi Akiva holds that Mishantana is a valid Lashon of Nadar. Incredible. Good. I'm Rabbi Lai. So I'll say, so again, so let's just pause here for just a moment. So what, what we have, what we have is like this. What we have over here is the fundamental machlokis, I will say, between Rabbi Akiva and the Rabbanan is an election of Menuda. So, right, let's, let's go with our first version. In our first version, everyone agrees that Mishamtana, Mishamtana, what's the status of Mishamtana Minach? What's the halacha? Everyone agrees? Not a nether. Why? Why? Because we're both saying, for a nether to be effective, the Lashon itself has to be one of separation. Havdava. Havdava, separation. 
If the Lashon doesn't carry with it an immediate connotation of separation, it doesn't work. So in the first version, Mishantana ultimately doesn't work. What will work? Nadina. Nadina means detached. Like the Rush said, Nadina means muvdo, separation. Where is the Machlokes? Now we go back to the Mishnah. The Machlokes is as espoused in the Mishnah of what happens if you use Lashon of Menuda. Menuda. Rabbi Akiva says Menuda is Niduya, detached. Detached. Right? The Rabbanans say no. Menuda is in the same excommunication family as Nishantana and therefore doesn't work. So I'll say, I just want to point out everyone is agreeing on the core principle. Right? What's the core principle? That for a Lushan of Neder to work, I have to be actively distancing myself from someone. And the Lushan itself has to be a Lushan of Havdalah. The Machlokes is in Menuda, versus Menuda. So I'll say, when we hear Menuda, when I, when I say Menuda, what do you think about? Just a little word association. I say menuda, you think? Right? Excommunication, shamta. Right? Shamta. Right? Right? No, what else are you thinking about? Right? Good. All right, fine. Right, so, 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 so ultimately, again, so ultimately you think excommunication. Excommunication. All Rabbi Akiva is saying is, that's not the act. No. In, in fact, if you look at the word, menuda most closely resembles what? Niduya. Nituya, right? Which is a Lashon ultimately again of being separated. So that's the Machlokis. But everyone is agreeing on the core principle. Good. We'll say, here we go. We'll say, now that we brought up, by the way, the concept of excommunication, so interestingly enough, the Gemara goes on a little bit of a, ta- of a tangent, a fascinating one. So let's listen to this. Amrabi Loi Amrav, Nidol Befanov, Inmatirin Lo, El Befanov. Listen to this. If you ex- we'll say, there are two different forms of excommunication. You could excommunicate a person in their presence or, or not in their presence. Okay, so we'll discuss both. So the Gemara says, if you excommunicate the person, the fun of, in his presence, you can only undo the excommunication in his presence as well. But if you excommunicate a person not in his presence, then you have the ability to what? You have the ability to revoke. Revoke the excommunication whether in his presence or not in his presence. And I both say, what's the pshat with this? So take a look at the Ran. Really very interesting. The Ran writes as follows. So the Ran says, we're not going to do the whole thing. Top Ran. On Zayin of a base. The Ran writes, the Chibon de Befanov Nido. See where it says, Nido Befanov in material. Rabbi say, right hand side. Right? We said before, Gibar just said, if you excommunicate a person in his presence, you have to undo. You have to revoke the excommunication in his presence as well. Writes the Ran. The Chibon de Befanov Nido since you went ahead and since you went ahead and excommunicated him in his presence, so Alim Niduya, the the Nidui, the excommunication is very strong. And ultimately again it can only be undone in his presence as well. The first approach of the Ran is that it's a din in the severity of the excommunication. So if you excommunicate a person in his presence, that's a more severe form of excommunication. It can only be undone in his presence as well. But then look what the Ran says. Second line, rule of the second line. Baloni Hira. Ran says, I don't think that makes sense. And rather, I think the reason is like this. It's very interesting. So we'll say, listen to this. Fascinating. Ran says, it's for, it's for a more practical reason. So we'll say, if you excommunicate, let's say, let's say we excommunicate Ruvain. Okay, so Ruvain excommunicated. 
if we undo the excommunication, we're going to see what happens in excommunication. What happens? You're not allowed to walk in Dalaramas to that person. You're not really allowed to talk to that person. You can't conduct business with that person. So imagine for a moment we excommunicate Rume. And now what happens? We undo the excommunication. So we, I'm sorry, we excommunicated, excommunicated him in his presence. And now we revoke the excommunication not in his presence. So what's going to happen? Monday, Rumi was excommunicated. Monday afternoon, we revoked it. Monday night, what's happening? People are giving Ruben Shalom Aleichem. He's getting Shabbos invitations, right? They're right there doing business with him. And I will say, from Ruben's perspective, what could he, it, it, there are two possibilities. He could assume, he could think that the excommunication was revoked, or it's possible that what? People are just taking liberties with the excommunication. And it could lead to a fundamental erosion of, how, of the severity with which people approach these excommunicatory practices. Therefore, again, in order, the Ran says, in order to avoid any misunderstandings, if a person was excommunicated in his presence, that excommunication has to be undone in his presence as well, in order that it not lead, it not lead to an erosion of the severity of how we approach excommunications in general. Good. The Rosh Hashanah, however, again, if he was excommunicated not in his presence, right, so it already happened outside, and now he sees... People weren't interacting with me yesterday. Today they are. He'll assume that what? He'll assume that what? The excommunication was undone, was revoked. But again, that's okay. It was done in his presence, therefore revoked, not in his presence as well. Good. So the Gemara says as follows. So the Gemara says, good. Amar Avkanin, Amar Av, what's an incredible Gemara? Hashumei Askar Sashayin, Mipicha Beiro. I will say, if a person hears, if a person hears, Chas Shalom, that his friend curses the name of Hashem, Askar Sashayin. Now, as Kars Hashem will say, can mean, take, he says that to mean the cursing of Hashem. It could also mean a taking of Hashem's name in vain. Person hears that his friend is abusing the name of Hashem. Sarich Lindoso. Sarich Lindoso. Ultimately, again, such a person himself has to be excommunicated. do who asked me, so what, what does this mean? What does this mean? If I hear my friend, if I hear my friend abusing the name of Hashem, cursing it, taking it in vain, I am obligated to take action right then and there. Right then and there, to literally excommunicate my friend. And if I don't take action, the person himself, who's the person himself? Again, I'm standing next to Ruvain. I hear Ruvain, go ahead and take Hashem's name in vain. So I'm obligated to take action and excommunicate Ruvain right there. How I do that, well, we'll see. Right? And if I don't, and if I, if I fail to take action, then what? Then what? Then I am held liable. I should be excommunicated. I would say, by the way, what a profound Musra Haskil. And this happens all the time. You're with someone, right? Or you're with a group, and someone says something inappropriate. By the way, it doesn't have to go ahead and be the name of Hashem. It could just be something that's an immoral statement, saying it's an inappropriate statement. And I will say, what happens? People hear it and they let it go. If you hear something inappropriate, you're obligated to go out and take a stand. You're obligated to say something. Now, you don't have to yell at someone. You don't have to say, oh, such a bar Gehenim, right? See in Gehenim, you know? You don't, you, don't, you don't have to start. But, but I will say, the problem is, if you hear something inappropriate and you don't say something, then ultimately, again, you're lending your stample to that statement. And halakhalam, I say, again, now again, a machab doesn't have to be that you start burning tires on the person's front lawn, right? Or setting lot, you know, dumpsters alight, you know. But again, but again, if you hear something inappropriate, you are obligated to say that's not appropriate. Or, you know, Plony, 
I don't think that's the right thing to say. Or Plony, I love you so much, but you know what? I don't know. I don't, I don't feel comfortable with that statement. I don't think that's right. And I will say, there's an obligation. And if you don't, and if you don't, then you are party to the act of inappropriateness. You're party to it. You're party to it, and you're held liable to it. So again, this is an extreme example of it, where you hear someone, you hear someone misusing the name of Hashem. Salachim, I see a chayv to excommunicate. Now again, this requires an excommunication. And if you don't take action, then you're excommunicated as well. Shekomoko, I will say this is so profound. Shekomoko. Now, by the way, the Ran points out over here, if you look at the Ran, almost right across the Gemara on the right-hand side, so again, the Ran says, So we'll say, obviously, if I hear Ruvain misuse the name of Hashem, and I don't take action, right? so now the Gemara says, I should be excommunicated. So the Ran just points out, it doesn't literally mean that I am like automatically excommunicated. So I'll say, so of course, it doesn't literally mean that if I don't take action, I'm in, I'm in an immediate state of excommunication. Ultimately, again, what it means is, if I hear something inappropriate and I fail to act, I am held liable. I'll say, it's, it, it, it's such an incredible yisod. That if you cease, if you if you if you are in a place and something inappropriate is occurring, and you don't act, and I will say by the way, you know I want to point out this is by parenting also by parenting right one of the most one of the most difficult things in parenting we know is you can't call out your kids for every single thing you cannot you cannot because if you call out your kid for every single infraction you lose the relationship and you lose the ability to really insert yourself when something really serious goes on. But sometimes what that ends up happening is parents just kind of, you know, not getting involved in anything. Right? So my kid does stuff, and I know it's not appropriate, but I don't want to say, yeah. again. So there is, there, there is that fine line. There, there is that very delicate balance. But there are certain things that if my child is involved in them, my child is doing, as a parent, I have an obligation to say something. And if I don't, and if I don't, I'm just as responsible for the commission of the act as my child is. That balance is a very difficult, but that's the Chazal are saying. Sometimes we just like to be innocent bystanders in life. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not involved. If you're there, you're involved. If you're there, you're involved. And if something inappropriate goes down, then Lamaisa, you have liability for that. It's such an incredible yisod. So the Gemara goes like that. Because any situation where the name of Hashem is misused or abused, so the Gemara says, Mitsuya Sham, I'm sorry, Shekozman, Shazkara, Sashem Mitsuya, Sham Anios Mitsuya. I will say, wherever there is an abuse of the name of Hashem, ultimately, again, poverty always follows. And I will say, where do we know that from? That wherever there's an abuse of the name of Hashem, there's always poverty as well. Look at the Ran, Shekom Makom, Taimo Kayoev, Lamai Daminon. So this is incredible. The Pasik says, in any place, Hashem says, any place where you remember my name, I will come there and bless you. So the Gemara understands from the fact that proper use of Hashem's name results in blessing, therefore what? Inappropriate misuse of Hashem's name brings the antithesis of blessing. What's the antithesis of blessing? Poverty. It's incredible. It's incredible. So there's no explicit passage that tells you that abuse of Shem Hashem leads me to poverty. It's just if proper use of Hashem leads to bracha, 
misuse of Hashem's name leads to the antithesis of bracha, ultimately poverty. Now watch this. So the Gibar says, And this is incredible. Ultimately, poverty is the equivalent of death. Right? Poverty is like death, right? The pauper struggles. The pauper struggles so much that it's as if he's experiencing, as if he's experiencing death. Shabbos, just to understand over here, what, what's, what's the idea? The idea is we're trying to figure out why is it that if I hear an abuse of the name of Hashem and I don't take action, I'm held liable because wherever there's a misuse of Hashem's name, ultimately, again, there's anios, there's poverty. We learn our poverty from the fact that that's the antithesis of bracha. Poverty, poverty is like death. Excommunication is equivalent to death. So from here we see, again, it's a little bit of a prolonged limud, but from here we see that someone who hears a misuse and abuse of the name of Hashem and fails to do anything is ultimately subject to a form of misa. What type of misa? Not obviously not actual death, but let me say again, excommunication. Absolutely incredible. I'll say, by the way, this last piece, how do we know that poverty is like death? So the Master says, Emar, ki because by Dasan and Aviram, by Dasan Kashbarakul tells Moshe Rabbeinu that you can go as after the burning bush, you can go back to Egypt, you go back to Egypt. Why? Because all of the people who sought your demise, right, are no longer. Who are the people who sought Moshe Rabbeinu's demise? Dasan and Aviram. Dasan and Aviram. And Hashem said they're dead. Dasan and Aviram weren't dead. They were alive and kicking. They caused plenty of problems in the desert as well. So why does it say they were dead? Because they became impoverished. So I'll say from here you see Ani Chashuv Kames. A poor person is like a dead person. And we'll say, we know a person struggles financially and doesn't have money. It's a pain. It's, it's not, I mean, like I said, it's a, it causes a pain that is like the pain of death in the eyes of Chazan. The Gimara says, We learn any place for Chazan. As you know, we'll say, we'll stop over here for today. I ruined the streak a little bit. All right, fine. Again, in session, we'll say, incredible, incredible Gimara tomorrow as well. We'll stop here. We're not finished with this sugya of Shomea, Shomea, Skaras Hashem. We'll stop here. More tomorrow.